you have one more benefit to Facebook advertising because you can do very targeted uh, psychographic targeting where yes. you can say, okay, I want to target people who have liked these accounts. This is Ezra Firestone from smartmarketer.com and you're listening to my friend Ash Roy on the Productive Insights Podcast. Best podcast you ever listened to. Listen to every episode. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to www.productiveinsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy. This episode is brought to you by the Productive Insights Done For You podcast launch service, which positions you as a leading authority in your market and successfully turns listeners into high-value customers. Book a call with me on callashroy.com to discuss how we can get started. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to head over to the show notes on the Productive Insights website and you'll find several other related episodes. All you need to do is click on the related link in the show notes and you'll be listening to related and useful content in no time. Welcome to part two of this two-part series on data analytics and how you can use it to take your business to the next level. In part one, Annie and I talked about why your data should tell a story, how to tease out the signal from the noise when it comes to data, how one of Annie's clients discovered they were having seven times the conversion rate using Bing ads as opposed to Google ads, which completely changed their marketing campaign. We talked about the difference between Facebook ads and Google ads, and we touched on retargeting. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I strongly recommend you go back and listen to it. It's episode 105. In this second part of this two-part series, episode 106, we are going to talk about the key obstacles when it comes to using data effectively and how to overcome those obstacles and the action steps you can take to leverage your data into much higher levels of profitability. I hope you enjoy this content, and if you do, please do leave us a review on iTunes. That would be much appreciated. Thanks for listening. Now, on with the show. Yes, exactly. And retargeting ads could be on Facebook, or they could also be used through AdWords, where you go to another site, and then you see an ad with a pair of shoes that you looked at. And hopefully it's not a pair of shoes that you (laughs) bought, which happened to me i keep yes. seeing the same pair of shoes that i already bought from flu and i just want to reach out to them and say hey you know why you need to you kind of need to batten down the hatches because you yeah. keep serving me up and for a pair of shoes that i already bought i've worn i love them <laughs> you don't yeah. have to you know feed me these ads so i think the trick there would be to find out if they've reached your checkout page and exited your checkout page and then exclude those people that have gone through your checkout page from future retargeting campaigns. Yes, exactly. And you can do that even at the product level, you know, just exclude a product that I've purchased and maybe serve a product that I looked at but didn't purchase. That's it. And I was just saying that if you want to learn how to do that, talk to Annie at analytics.com. <laughs> She'll tell you how to get it done. Okay, the other point I wanted to make was with Google versus Facebook, I can't remember who said this. It might have been Rand Fishkin in episode 38 or Eric Enger in episode 41, but 
another important difference between Facebook and Google is Facebook advertising is more interruption advertising insofar as, at least at the moment, people go to Facebook to hang out. It's a social environment, yeah. and then your ads are interrupting their social experience, although I accept that that is slowly changing. Whereas with Google, the intention, the intent which someone goes to Google is to solve a problem. That's why it's driven by the search as opposed to an interruption-based thing on Facebook. So when people go to Google to search for a solution, they're far more likely to convert into a purchase than Facebook. Would you agree with that, Annie? Yes, I, I would absolutely agree with that. Because a lot of times when people are on Google, but they're either doing informational searches, they're doing transactional searches. So yes, I, I think that they're much more focused, even outside of advertising, even for most websites uh, that I look at when I'm uh, analyzing their analytics data, even organic traffic tends to be much more focused, much more conversion oriented than social traffic like social traffic to blog posts for example those sessions tend to have very very high bounce rates because if you think about it when you're on Facebook kind of like what you were just talking about I don't really at that time I really kind of want to get back to Facebook and I'm hmm. typically only going to click through to things that either have you know almost an incendiary value like there's something that's just really controversial you know, everyone's talking about like was Kim Kardashian really robbed <laughs> at gunpoint you know those types of things or is something societal or it's just something funny you know mm -hmm. I'm just clicking through and watching some silly YouTube video or whatever but I'm definitely not with pretty rare exception I'm not in a mindset where I really want to do research. Hmm. Uh, so the ads that tend to appeal to me the most are going to be ads that align with my interests. And that's yet one more benefit to Facebook advertising because you can do very targeted uh, psychographic targeting where yes. you can say, okay, I want to target people who have liked these accounts. Yes. You know, so and then, so I'm really big into dragon boating. I'm a competitive dragon boater. So anything that comes up related to drag, dragon boating or outrigger, you know, kind of water sports, mm -hmm. it's going to pique my interest. And I'm also a shoe enthusiast. So anything related to shoes, you know, if it's an ad that just really grabs my attention, it's a cute pair of shoes, I'm most likely going to click. If you get outside my immediate interest, mm -hmm. I'm going to scroll. And I'm not I'm not thinking in terms of my job, those types of things. Sometimes I will click through to something, but I'm gonna pocket it. I'm gonna save it to pocket to read later on my commute or something. Mm. So I think when you're doing Facebook targeting, you know, instead of just saying, okay, I wanna target everyone who's liked my page, I think it's very valuable to say, okay, well, what are other Facebook accounts that are tightly related to, let's say, dragon boating or, you know, water sports? And then, then there are like tons and tons of products. You know, you're talking about wetsuits, you're talking about, you know, different types of paddles and bladders for being able to drink water while you're going on distance paddles and things like that. So, you know, a marketer would be, an astute marketer who wanted to reach me, 
would serve me up ads that are you know highly targeted because I visit those sites I visit those blogs mm. you know I like blogs that are related to dragon boating and paddling sports so if they said okay I want to target everyone who has liked the Paddle Chica Facebook account or has liked you know these different popular accounts they're most likely going to be able to get my attention hmm. you know and so I think that's where the real magic happens and no other in my opinion no other network has the ability has the data to be able to target psychographically like Facebook. Like Facebook, I completely agree. Now, there's something you said about the scroll, and I just want to mention this before I move to the next point, and that is that when Facebook says that for $5 we'll put your content in front of X number of people, depending on what you select as your your criteria for advertising, if you select CPM, which I believe is just views, a scroll past yeah. your ad is considered to be a view according to Facebook. And that really doesn't mean a whole lot. So if initially you might want to do that CPM thing on Facebook while you're trying to figure out what's working and what's not, but eventually you would be better off paying for clicks to your website and advertise using actual clicks as your metric rather than the CPM. Do you agree? I do agree. I do. And this is CPM, and this, this is pretty much across the board, across, you know, multiple advertising networks. CPM can be valuable for brand awareness, mm -hmm. but beyond that, I just, or, you know, if you're a publisher, of course, but beyond those two scenarios, I see clients all the time really tear through CPM budgets because if you're not watching that closely, I mean, you have to have some kind of measure of, you know, what is this really doing for us? Mm. And something to triangulate that data. It's like, okay, we're going to invest X amount of money into CPM campaigns for these networks and we hope to see this much of an increase to our homepage or mm. this much of an increase of people searching for our brand terms. So we're going to go into our Google search console account and see, well, are people searching for our brand more as a result of these branding campaigns? I mean, you have to be able to tether these campaigns to something. Otherwise, you could just so easily just flush this money mm. and end up like you mentioned, paying for views where I'm not really viewing, I'm hesitating, I, I suffer from a deplorable lack of curiosity, hmm. I'm just scrolling past. Yeah, and this is another very important point you've just raised, Annie, that I want to bring out to the listeners, and this is an, another action step, and that is this, that when you create a campaign or any form of advertising, before you create that campaign and before you set up your analytics around it, you need to have a hypothesis and say, okay, I'm going to be creating this campaign, and based on this campaign this is what I hypothesize will be the incremental brand exposure or the incremental customers that I will get from it and then you go back and measure the success of the campaign using the analytics because there's a whole lot of other things that are happening in a business at a given time right we're talking to customers we're going and maybe doing public speaking whatever and increased sales can be coming from those areas as well so you need to have some way of ring fencing or fencing off the 
expected impact of that specific activity, the advertising activity, and use your data analytics to measure the incremental impact as a direct result of that activity on your sales or your profitability, which is ultimately what matters, the profitability. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of times when it comes to brand awareness, a lot of organizations, if they can come up with a piece of content, a video, you know, just something that's really compelling that gets people talking about your brand, mm -hmm. even though it's expensive, you're going to get a lot more bang for your buck a lot of times with a really well-suited PR campaign. I mean, just even promoted content on, you know, on a site like Huffington Post or BuzzFeed, that's a one-time expenditure, but if you put the right piece of content out into an audience that, you know, is exponentially larger than the audience you can reach on Facebook or, mm. you know, with um, CPM campaigns on AdWords or something, you're going to get a much greater return on your investment. And, you know, we saw that. What is the, the company that puts out the, the Deer Kitten videos? Is that, I, I, I forget which company it is now, but they started putting out these deer kitten videos hmm. on uh, BuzzFeed, and 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 they were they're done so well. Oh, it's Friskies, I believe, mm -hmm. uh, and they're just really really well done. It's an older cat, you know, kind of a curmudgeonly character <laughs> who's giving advice to this adorable kitten, and it's hysterically funny, and you know, and it just brought. Friskies, so much brand awareness, yeah. but without trying to sell you Friskies. And people were sharing, you know, they were putting those videos out uh, during the Super Bowl. And, you know, it, it was just a really beautiful mix. But I believe it started with BuzzFeed. How do they measure the impact then of that campaign on their profitability? Well, I think when you're talking about advertising, with something like that, if you're using Google Analytics, mm -hmm. you want to use uh, something called campaign tagging, mm -hmm. where you can actually, if the advertiser or the, the site will allow you to do this, you can add uh, their parameters to the end of the URL, and you can associate that with uh, a campaign. I have a really comprehensive guide on campaign tagging. If you just search campaign tagging Google Analytics, it's going to come up in the top three results. Cool. Um, you'll see analytics. It's very, very comprehensive. But if not, then you can create a custom channel. So if there are certain sites that you advertise on, like you've brokered an advertising spot or a piece of promoted content, like on BuzzFeed or you know any site like that, even like a bustle, you know all of the large publishers offer it. Then you can create even a again. This is specific to Google Analytics. You can create a custom channel inside Google Analytics for your partners. You know, even for things like like syndicated content. If you have content that you allow larger publishers to pick up on, hmm. well, any site that or publisher that you have a syndication agreement with, you can create a custom channel so that, you know, and you could call it partners or something, and you only put the sites that you have syndication agreements with, 
and then you can track those separately from your other channels inside Google Analytics. I also have a guide on custom channels that goes into that, and I talk about it in the campaign tagging guide. Uh-huh. And so, and that that is frequently a missing element when marketers are setting up these campaigns. So they'll go to great lengths to set up these campaigns, but then you go inside their analytics account. But again, you know, speaking specifically to Google Analytics uh-huh. with Site Catalyst, everything is completely custom, so you can't really make generalizations. But a lot of times those campaigns will show up as direct or they'll just be, you know, a drop in the bucket of their referrals channel or something like that because they just don't have the infrastructure set up inside their analytics to be able to closely monitor those campaigns. And if you create these, you know, custom channels and campaigns, then you can associate conversions with those channels. Mm. And uh, and so that's where you're really going to be able to measure, okay, well, inside our analytics, what was the impact? In terms of branding, what's the impact? Are more people mentioning our brand? Are more people talking about us on social media for something like that? You could use a tool like BuzzSumo hmm. to monitor brand mentions. And, and so it just depends on ultimately going back to what is your objective and then finding the tool that will best to help you meet that objective, and then the visualization strategy for mm-hmm. how to best measure all of that. Hmm. I'll be sure to get my team to include a link to that campaign tagging download on the show notes of this episode. So we'll look Absolutely. it up and we'll put a link on there. Now, Something else I also wanted to mention is Outbrain is a pretty good tool to get your content in front of relevant audiences, isn't it? Yes. Outbrain is an excellent tool. There are several tools uh, like that. Taboola is also uh, really good, uh, especially for you know getting them out on large publisher sites. Mm-hmm. I mean, certain types of content do much better. So a lot of times, of appealing to not the lowest common denominator, but, you know, content, any content about celebrities and, you know, anything that people are really, really talking about, depending on the site that is running the Outbrain, does really well. So you want to definitely specifically structure your content around you know, okay, what's going to be most clickable? And yeah. so that's really easy to, to find out because you can go into your analytics, look to look at your landing pages over the past six months and just look to see, okay, which landing pages have gotten the most exposure, which is getting the most visits, which are getting even the combination of visits and conversions and those types of things. And put that content out because you can already see this content is performing really well. Mm, Cool. Okay, let's talk about challenges and action steps. Now, we've covered quite a lot of these so far in our conversation. So I'm going to go through the 
biggest challenges that have come up in our conversation so far that people typically face around data analytics and using it more effectively. And then maybe you can help me by filling in the blanks. So one of the biggest challenges is understanding I believe, the objectives of the analytics or the objectives of your business, your marketing campaign, whatever it is you're trying to achieve, and then using your analytics to find out how effective you have been in achieving those objectives. So if your objective is to increase profitability and you launch a campaign, you need to make sure your analytics is answering the question, how profitable or how much did my campaign contribute to my increase in profits this year or this month or whatever it is. The second thing is just throwing money at analytics and trying to just get too much information, just cramming metrics into your analytics dashboard for the sake of it and then feeling overwhelmed later on and going, oh, I don't know what to do with this data. It's now getting scary, so I'm not even going to look at it. But instead, the action step here would be to say, okay, what is it that I want to measure? And it sort of ties back into my first point. What do I want to measure? And what am I going to measure for this specific quarter or this specific month? And just look at that aspect and don't overwhelm yourself. So look more in terms of a return on investment approach and less is more when it comes to doing analytics, at least when you start off. Anything else you'd like to add to that, Annie? Yeah, I think sometimes too, it can be really helpful in my experience to build out different dashboards for your different teams. So your web team might be really interested in page load times and 404s and 500 errors and and things like that where they're not as concerned about profitability but it's still very important and essential to how your business performs you know and so those are the types of things like I would you know recommend building out a dashboard of the things that they care about so you know for example a lot of times I'll see other or clients' previous site audits that they've received and and they'll get recommendations like you have 1,700 404 pages and a 404 page is just a page you go to it and it says this page cannot be found. Mm-hmm. And so someone will say you have 1,700 404 pages and here they all are. Well, a CTO is going to look at that and say I don't care. But if you say, okay, you have 26 404 pages that are PPC landing pages. So you are spending X number of money every month to send traffic to these pages that are broken. Well, now that's going to get someone's attention. Someone's going to say, we need to get these fixed today. Or these pages are broken, and here is how much revenue each of these pages has driven as landing pages before they were broken. Hmm. Now, once again, now I've attached a metric to it that's going to make someone care Hmm. about those. those things you know and so you know similarly your social media team might not care about you know four or four pages and things like that they know that they're not sharing links on Facebook to four or four pages they're sharing links for the most recent blog post or whatever Mm. so they're not going to care so much about that but they're really going to care about things like well what's the bounce rate of the traffic that's coming from our different social channels and 
how many people are going from a click on Facebook and then actually coming to our traffic and then converting. So that whole process from we had this many impressions on Facebook, this many clicks, and now we're going to transition from Facebook Insights to Google Analytics. We're going to tie that data together from some common key, some common element, and now we really care about that campaign because now we can see this particular link that we shared ultimately generated this much in revenue, this many leads or whatever is most important to them. You know, so your social media team, they're going to have different metrics that they really care about. And as an analyst, as a marketer, whoever is responsible for compiling all this data and disseminating it to the different departments in an organization, I think it's really important that they find out that particular audience, what do they care about? I think mm. one of the biggest mistakes that you can make is just to build a one-size-fits-all dashboard because ultimately it's usually going to be either the highest ranking person in the meeting or the most opinionated who's going to determine what should go in that dashboard. Mm. And then for everyone else, they're just going to archive your email and not even open it. That's such a good point. Now, just so for the listeners, if you're wondering what the term CTO means, it stands for Chief Technology Officer and PPC is pay-per-click. Now, yes, I totally agree. You've made such a good point. The dashboards, having multiple dashboards, which is customized to specific parts of your audience within the company, if you're catering to a larger company, is a great point. But ultimately, the data should be very much targeted to the person consuming the data, right? That's the important thing because ultimately a data tells, a piece of data or multiple bits of data tell a story and the story is then what leads to an action that changes behavior. So if the data isn't telling a meaningful story that is relevant to the person consuming that data, then the data is pointless. Right, absolutely. Okay, well, that's awesome. We've got some great action points that have come out of this conversation, and I really appreciate that. Build out multiple dashboards, create data that is meaningful to the person consuming it. Always be aware of the return on investment that you're getting from your advertising campaigns and try and use your data to help you understand your return on investment and the ROI may not necessarily be just a monetary thing it might be more brand awareness it might be a better understanding of your business it might be a better understanding of which products or channels are performing in your business we understood the difference between Facebook advertising and Google advertising and that intention matters quite a lot when it comes to these forms of advertising and Facebook advertising is sort of more interruption based and Google is more uh, search based because the intent with which people go to Google is to solve a problem as opposed to Facebook where they're just hanging out and they get interrupted. Wow, so much information in such a short time. Thank you so much, Annie. That's fantastic. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we say goodbye? And how do listeners find out more about you? Yes, so the best way is to go to my site, analytics.com. You may want to check out the resources page. Uh, I have this compulsion to create free and inexpensive uh, resources cool. for marketers. I have quite a few resources out there for marketers, such as hundreds of tools for marketers. It just breaks out. It's a massive Google spreadsheet that breaks down common tasks that marketers have to do, each area of marketing. 
Mm-hmm. Each discipline, if you will, has its own separate tab, and uh, it lists an, all the different tasks that you might need to do and then the tools that you can use to accomplish those tasks. And I even let you know if the tool is free, paid, or free with an upgrade option. Wow. So it's like my catcher in the rye creating these resources. So you may want to go to analytics.com forward slash resources, and that's probably going to be your best jumping off point. Okay, well, we will be sure to include that in the show notes of this episode on the Productive Insights website as well. So either you can go directly to analytics.com, dot com forward slash resources or just go to the show notes of this podcast episode and click on the link and the easiest way to find this episode is just go to google and type in the words productive insights and then annie cushing spelled a-n-n-i-e-c-u-s-h-i-n-g thank you very much annie for being on the show and i'd love to have you back again sometime to have another chat about this stuff okay that's excellent thank you so much for inviting me Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comment section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today? 